If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 119 of Confessions of a Marketer, action-packed marketing. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Justin Christensen of Conversion Fanatics is back in. We'll delve more into conversion optimization with Justin in just a moment. Next time, we have Rob Patterson of A. Weber in to talk about the state of email marketing. And as we round out the year, Nathan Hirsch will share some wisdom on finding the right freelancers. Philip Stutz will discuss the politics of marketing. And we'll have the former SVP of Overstock.com, Jeff Atkinson, who's now founder and CEO of Huckabye, on to talk about SEO. Also planning episodes with Jeff Hahn, principal of Apron, and Mel Edwards, global CEO of Wonderman Thompson. So stay tuned. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T.org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. All right, back to Justin Christensen. This time, Justin tells us how marketers can make things more action-oriented, how A-B testing plays into everything, and we learn about his book, Conversion Fanatic, and what he's hoping to help people achieve. Let's get to it. So how can marketers make their marketing more action-oriented? I guess one of the first things I learned as a very young marketer was the term call to action. And for many marketers, that just means, you know, learn more, read this, words like that in a button. But that really doesn't make the marketing more action-oriented. It may ask the user to do something that's not necessarily going to be effective. How can marketers make their marketing action-oriented then? I mean, there's a lot of elements in there. And I think when the direct response aspect comes into play, of course, you want to tell them where to go, you know, what to do, do the learn more, do the things. But I think leading up to the action oriented side of things, I think it starts with the story. 
and the brand. And I think it's a lot of engagement from the front end, from the first introduction to the brand, and then getting them used to those micro commitments and a lot of those other elements. And so many people just say, okay, you know, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And I think an action side of things is there's a multi-step action approach to this to build up the elements that you need to kind of build that story, to build that trust and credibility in the brand versus just going for the throat and saying, you know, learn more here or sign up here or buy this here or add to cart or whatever have you. I think it's a whole encompassing aspect that, you know, people are starting to gravitate towards more now to look at it as a whole. So just taking those micro commitments and looking at it from that standpoint, rather than just that I need the sale today and just really building up, you know, that customer journey and those elements around that. So when you say micro commitments, like, yeah, send me that email or I'll sign up for alerts, you know, that type of thing, yeah, kind of steps toward becoming a customer. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, people could, you know, we see and joke that you want a discount, just try to leave the cart. And that's what people have raced to. It's just like, hey, somebody said that you offer 10% discount, you get that instead of why didn't that person take that action? Why didn't they fill out that form on the cart? Why didn't they buy that product? Maybe they have unanswered questions and, you know, getting them to maybe engage in an FAQ email or respond to a survey that could give us more information or, you know, even click learn more or just any micro commitment that you can get them to make that'll take them one step closer to the process that you want them to take. So I'd say, and I've actually got it framed on my desk, is you lead the visitor down the path of least resistance to where you want them to go. And sometimes it isn't sales conversion that's your main metric that you're measuring. It's increased clicks on the banner or it's increased clicks on the collections page that allows them to choose a product or it's that they filtered and sorted this product by price or, you know, whatever have you, that can be any kind of micro commitment, just any kind of micro step that takes them to one step closer to where we want them to go. When you go to a website or you get an email or any of those things these days, there's a good chance you're not seeing the same email that someone else is seeing because of A-B testing. So what role does A-B testing play into all of this drive to improve conversion? Well, I mean, conversion rate, when I say conversion rate optimization, most times people say immediately think split testing and A-B testing. Well, that's really just the vehicle that we use to prove or disprove the assumptions that we have. A-B testing is not conversion optimization. So really, A-B testing allows us to measure whether we think something is going to work or not. Right, (laughs) right. We could hear somebody say, oh, an orange button is going to work better than a green button, but we want to test it. But conversion optimization is really understanding the reason why we're testing it and analyzing it and basing it on facts and data rather than just randomly picking some stuff and going out and testing it. What you can do, you can go just make a list of 100 things and go down the list and start testing stuff, but you're not going to have that lasting impact. But A-B testing is really just the vehicle that we use to see if our guesses are going to help or hurt. Right, exactly. And do you, you employ that with most of your engagements with your clients? Oh, that's, that's what we do. I yeah. mean, I never turn anything on without a test. Just so many horror stories of companies saying, well, so-and-so said I should do this. It's like, well, did you test it? 
And then I say, well, come back to me in a month when you ruined your conversion rate and we'll fix it. (laughs) Or companies saying, oh, so-and-so, I just want to redesign my site because it looks better. Well, looking better and converting better are two different things. And usually they come back to me and have me fix it in, you know, two or three months when things don't go the way that they were supposed to go. But yeah, everything that we do is we always tell companies to shy away from just making changes. Yeah. One recently said, oh yeah, this is common. I think it's going to work great. It's actually, it's a test running right now. It's hurting conversions by 20%. Yeah. You know, it's something that he was dead set and adamant about running and saying, this is going to work because I've seen it elsewhere. You know, so-and-so on has it on his site. Well, chances of them are actually testing to see if that worked are slim to none. It's getting more and more prominent, but a lot of companies still aren't testing. They're just kind of hacking their way through it, even big companies. And now, you know, he could have lost 20% of his sales, essentially, you know, losing thousands of dollars every month or every week in this case, just because he went with an assumption and he didn't test it. Yeah. Has there ever been something that has surprised you in an A-B test or in a split test? Weekly. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the point here, right? That you have this, you know, long history doing this and yet you can still be surprised every week. Oh yeah, because I mean, we're running campaigns across, I mean, right now we're probably running 150 split tests. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You can test the same thing eight times across eight different companies and that ninth time you try it, it's going to perform completely different. Just like a bull. It is. And, you know, we're always surprised. And then that's where the magic really happens is we ask the question why Mm. and figure out a good example of this is we had a test that normally will win probably 80% of the time it'll show improvement and it lost or it was flat and it really wasn't, it's kind of a null result. And I looked and we looked kind of dove in deeper and they found out that they had a discount kind of bubble that was blocking our test element. So they weren't able to interact with the button that we placed strategically on yeah. a page on mobile. And it was it was kind of null results. So we had them turn off that, that iteration or that bubble little thing that was blocking it just to see how that was impacting things overall. And right now it's showing a 43% improvement since we reiterated on that test. And we just asked the question, why didn't that work? Yeah. And retested it. So it's showing 43%, still early in this test, but 43% and it's showing like a revenue per visitor increase of like 136%. Just because, you know, and it probably won't settle in like that. It'll probably settle in at probably 15 to 20% improvement because it's only got, you know, 50 sales on it or so, so far. So not a big enough sample size, but that's kind of where it comes down to. It's like, we were surprised that that didn't work. So we go back and try to fix it. Yeah. That kind of makes it fun, I would imagine. Yeah, it keeps it interesting and on our toes. I mean, if we won every time, it'd be kind of boring and I'd have a way bigger company. (laughs) Exactly. So tell me about your book and why you wrote it and what you hope people will get out of it and achieve with it. And by the way, it's called Conversion Fanatics, right? Yeah, it's called Conversion Fanatic, singular. I had to do confuse everybody when I titled it. But yeah, it's uh, really just how to double your customer sales and profits with A-B testing is essentially the subtitle and the full title of the book. But I wrote it really because I was kind of tired of saying the same thing. 
(laughs) to visitors, like really educating people. I was seeing, you know, it's been a couple years since it got published, but I wrote it that it can be actionable and timeless. You know, it's the basic core principles of conversion optimization, the psychology behind it, the reasons why you want to do A-B testing and conversion optimization. And I was seeing so many people, and it still is a lot of the case today, is they're screaming, oh, you just need more traffic, or here's the latest traffic tip or tactic or whatever have you for whatever, pick a channel. And I wanted to something that highlighted the other piece of the puzzle. And, you know, you got traffic and you got conversions. So not everybody was talking about it. So I wanted to really highlight that. But I wanted to write it in a way that was no fluff. And somebody could basically flip to a page, read a couple pages and get some kind of actionable step out of it. And that's what took me so long to write it, which took me a little over a year actually to write it, even though it's only a 150 page book. But yeah, I just wanted people, whether they're new to internet marketing or even seasoned veterans that have told me that, you know, hey, this reminded me of a lot of things that I had forgotten about or don't practice actively. So that was a real kind of you know, pat on the back to me putting it out there and getting that kind of feedback. But yeah, I just wrote it. So it educates people on the importance of conversion optimization. Did you learn anything in the process of putting your thoughts down on paper? Yeah, I've learned that I don't want to write another book. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long process. I've toyed with the idea of writing another one. I even got an outline and all of this stuff. And I started dictating the first couple of chapters. And I'm like, do I really want to do this again? But no, I mean, I learned a lot in that I knew more about it than I thought, <laughs> yeah. in a sense. And I mean, I wrote everything in the book. I mean, I didn't have it ghostwritten. I didn't do all of that. I literally, I typed out in a Word document every single word in that. And then my editor made it readable. <laughs> right. But yeah, I learned that there's a lot of aspects that I overlooked and took for granted in marketing and that it really boils down to the simplicity of things. And there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of clutter. And I've gone back and even reread my own book and be like, Oh, wow, I actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And I pick up actionable items too and good reminders. And I wrote the book. So I just think it comes down to, and I even look back at my 15 plus year career, I guess this is going on year 17 now, but I look back and it's just the basics. The mediums have changed. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're just dealing with people. Sure. That's it. That's our product. You know, it doesn't matter what medium you're in. It's we're dealing with people. They have problems. They, we have solutions. They have things going on in their lives that we don't see. They have the psychology of the buying habits of men versus women versus different age groups versus all of those things. It goes back before, you know, back in print days. Yeah. When they were A-B testing things and, you know, the direct response magazine ads and then, you know, facts on demand and all sorts of things. It's really just the psychology of buying. And we just have different tools and mediums to do it now. And I think people overcomplicate and over strategize and try to over automate a lot of these things when you just keep it simple. And that's where the real magic happens. I mean, you can automate a lot of it, but just ask yourself the question why, identify with your audience, understand their behaviors, their likes and dislikes, wants and needs, and you're going to exponentially scale, obviously, if you have a good product. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's interesting what you just said, because as someone who has 30 plus year experience in marketing, I use some of the lessons that I learned in the 1980s and 1990s still, Mm -hmm. even though I'm working mainly in a digital medium. Right. I mean, it's the same thing. Either you're 
people are searching for your solution and you put your ad in front of them or you're interrupting them with your solution in a strategic way. So that's really the only two ways that people do it. And then it just comes down to it's either pain or pleasure. Right. And that's, that's what it is. And then it's he or she who markets best wins. And I think that because of social, it's becoming more and more relationship building and kind of building a tribe around that is kind of cliche as that sounds. But some of the biggest brands that I see and get to work with and get to see under the hood for, and even some of these smaller up and coming brands that are doing incredible things, they have that story. They have that relationship. They have that kind of rabid following that's really taking them a lot further than what they would otherwise if they were just, you know, not paying attention to those things. Right, right. So the main lesson I take away from our chat is that marketing is a lot like riding a bull. Yeah. I mean, it can be for sure. It's one step at a time, one jump at a time, you know, and it takes a lot of stuff behind the scenes to make it successful on the front end. Justin, it was great having you on. I really appreciate you joining me for this really fun and informative discussion. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, next time, Rob Patterson of AWeber on the state of email marketing. So stay with us. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.